Hi, babes. Welcome to The Pleasure Portal, a podcast for women desiring to embody their fierce, wild, feminine magic, reclaim their deepest soul desires, and unleash the passion, pleasure, and fulfillment they know in their bones is their birthright. I'm your host, Kelsey Grant, a love, intimacy, and relationship educator and pleasure alchemist. I'm curious, has your pleasure ever been on the back burner? Have you ever felt like your pleasure doesn't matter? Have you experienced your feminine power being minimized, ignored, or suppressed? If so, this is the place for you. Because in this podcast, we're writing a whole new story together. We're a community of fierce femmes who are done with the binds of repression. We're the women who desire a pleasurable sex life, sacred connection with ourselves, and intimate partnership with another without having to give up or hide parts of who we are. We're the modern witches who until now have had to hide or suppress our sacred gifts. Together, we're unhooking from the binds that mute our greatest expression. We're dialing up that turn on full tilt. We're creating right relationship with our emotions, our power, our enchantment alchemy, and our womb wisdom. Each episode, I'll bring to you a mix of pleasure alchemy, embodiment education, love, sex, and relationship insights, and ultimately an invitation home to your fierce feminine magic. We are reclaiming it all. Down and in we go. Hello, friends. How we doing? We're back. It's another solo podcast day. I'm real excited. I haven't done one of these in a long time. Um, yeah, the month of February just flew by so fast. And I'm so glad that I had all of those other interviews to share with you. Because truth be told, my energy, my capacity just wasn't, you know, in a position to be able to record a lot of solo episodes. And I think this is a really great place to start today of honoring our capacity. Because a lot of the time we don't. <laughs> mm. A lot of the time we overdo it. We push past our, our limits. We push past, you know, our just our intuitive nudges. You know, we, we don't listen to the body. And in the month of February, I decided to sign up for a teacher training for an embodiment method. And I'm just loving it so much. It's just so good. And one of the things that I'm really noticing inside of that training is the fact that, you know, I can be really attuned to my body. And then there are times when I am totally out to lunch or I am just pushing past my limits because my mind tells me that I have to move in a certain direction or be on a certain timeline. And the thing is, it's all made up. Like I'm making up my life as I go, just like you're making up your life as you go. And the only person who has autonomy to say what I do or don't do is me. Like I, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm the one who's investing my energy into certain relationships, into certain ideas or into certain containers. And I'm the one who has full control and authority over that. 
And when I'm pushing past my limits, when I'm not honoring my body, what I'm doing is I'm signaling to myself that a, I can't be trusted. Like I can't trust myself. can't trust myself to honor what my actual needs are. And, you know, that's going to filter into how I approach life, how I engage with other people. And so it was such an important juncture in February to just take a bit of a pause and reevaluate, like, what do I actually have capacity to do? Because, you know, there was a lot going on. Like I had new one-to-one clients that came on board who I am obsessed with. They're so good. And it's been such a blessing and a pleasure to work with these incredible individuals on cultivating more magic and more pleasure and more alignment in their life, which obviously is just such a fun conversation. And, you know, one of the things that I really have to be mindful of is if I'm taking on new clients, then something's got to give. And, I need to readjust my, my life or my commitments to really honor where my energy's at. And if we take this on as a non-negotiable, like what do I actually have capacity for? And how is that going to look over the course of the month? Then we're more likely to make commitments that we can actually fulfill on. And what happens a lot of the time is we will overestimate (laughs) what we can get done in a day or in a week or in a month. And then when we don't hit those targets, then it becomes fodder for our inner critic to really beat us up and really be harsh and critical. And then we're, we're off track. The second we go down that rabbit hole of talking shit, about ourselves to ourselves nonstop, you know, we're, we're already in, in the ditch a little bit. And then it just takes some, some effort and some focus to come back into alignment. And so we can really set ourselves up in optimal ways by taking time either at the beginning of your day or the beginning of your week or the beginning of your month to really assess what do I have capacity for? And are there some things that need to shift or change in order for me to really be at my best this month? Because let's face it, every month you've got different things on your plate. Every month your energy might be in a different place. And so we can't expect that we're always going to be running with the same level of energy 100% of the time, especially if you're a woman or you're someone who has a menstrual cycle. Um, (laughs) This is going to be a really important dance for you to really get accustomed and attuned to what your body needs each phase of your cycle. So for me, I literally become a different woman every week of the month. And I love that. I love that about myself. I mean, personally, I have a strong need for variety. One of my core values is variety. So this keeps it spicy. This keeps it real for me. (laughs) Like, Like, ooh, which version am I this week? And I get to play with different archetypes in different phases of my cycle, which I find endlessly fascinating and endlessly intriguing. 
about just how my biochemistry works, how my hardwiring works, and seeing the the impact on my energy levels or the impact of what I'm available for. And so I had, you know, this is very common for me on the week of my bleed, my energy plummets and I don't have a lot of capacity. And so those are the weeks that I want to plan to have a lot of downtime and rest for and maybe not schedule as many meetings or social things for that week. And then after my bleed, I literally have the energy of a thousand suns and I just want to take on the world and I have so much energy in my tank. And that's a really great time for me to not only initiate some of the plans that have come through on the slower week, but also pile in, you know, all of the meetings or the social engagements because I have the energy and the capacity to do so. I also noticed that my impulse or my desire or needs for movement change depending where I am in my cycle. And so when I have a lot of energy, I feel this intuitive impulse for more cardio or more high intensity workouts. And then as I go through my cycle, that, that changes and giving myself permission to be fully human, to align and love up my womanhood and really be in the cyclical energy of the feminine is so potent and powerful. And the more I attune in those ways to myself and my cycle, the more I'm able to really honor my capacity for life because I am not meant to do all things all the time. And neither are you. We're not superhuman. We're just human. And there's everything okay with that. Like, why do we need to sit around hustling and hoofing it all the time? Like, that's exhausting. Even if you don't have a menstrual cycle, that's exhausting to constantly be driving to constantly be pushing and moving forward without time to contemplate. And this is, you know, potentially one of the reasons why we're seeing so much chaos externally right now is because there's a lot of internal chaos. And the internal chaos happens when we don't have time to sit with ourselves, when we don't have time and space to process what we're experiencing, or we don't have space and time for basic things like good quality sleep, or eating meals not on the go, or you know, making sure we're hydrated, or that we're actually moving our body. And when we don't account for those baseline needs, it's really problematic. And once we account for those baseline needs, it automatically gives us a little bit more space in the body and more capacity to be honest about what we can and can't do. And we've gotten into this place in our culture where we just have to constantly be going, even in a pandemic which is wild to me. I'm like, oh, we need to be productive. We need to be productive. We need to get shit done. Sure. Yeah, that's important. Like we can't be a functional society if no one's taking action. Like it's important. Action is important. But the counter to action is rest. It's restoration. 
And we see that in the cycles of nature. You see the sun rise every day, which is more of an active, like like illuminating energy. So there's a lot of forward movement with a sun beaming down on you. And then we have the night, which is a very different energy. It's slow. It's dark. Like that's where we regenerate. And if we honor that, like literally the universe has made it so easy for us. It's like, okay, okay, friends. Okay, humans. (laughs) Here we go. This is what you need to do to be at your best, to be in optimal creative form. We really need to make sure that we have time for action, forward movement, being in that initiation energy of like moving things forward. And we also need equal time to rest and restore. And so in your waking life, like your rest and restoration can't just happen when you're sleeping. There's also got to be parts of your day where you can play, where you can just kind of zone out and rest, where we don't have to hustle all day long. I find my best work happens after I take some downtime, after I take a day off, because my creative faculties actually have space to spin their magic when I am well rested. Before I did my visioning for love workshop, I went and got a reflexology session. And after that, I just wandered up and down the street. I found this cute new plant store and the guy who owns it was such an amazing human. And he's like, have you been in our store before? I'm like, no, like I'm just wandering through the neighborhood and just stumbled upon it. He's like, okay, well, I want, I'm going to give you 10% off of your, off your purchase today. And I'm like, oh, that's really nice. And so collecting these moments of kindness and generosity and just taking in the beauty, like I was not expecting that at all. And it was a nice addition to my day. I was able to collect that evidence of, you know, the generosity of other people, the kindness of other people. I got to take in the evidence of beauty. Like there, there's so many gorgeous plants in that store and so many gorgeous flowers. And because I had slowed down the pace of my day, I actually was quite present. And I was, you know, watching people on the street and how they were interacting with each other and looking for these moments of joy and moments of connection because they're there if we're willing to look for them. And when I kind of slowed down and kind of, where do I want to go next? What do I want to do next? And then eventually I ended up in a coffee shop and I pulled out my laptop and I just started writing. And what came through was a couple of plans for, you know, a few new programs, but also the complete workshop for the Visioning for Love uh, workshop that we did last weekend. And it just came through like a shot so fast, so fast. I was there for maybe an hour because I think there's like an hour timeline or time limit now. And it just, it all came through. I'm like, okay, here it is. Easy peasy, ready to go. Like there was no struggle to it. No struggle. And part of the, the reason that there was no struggle was because I allowed for my natural needs for rest, for downtime, 
rejuvenation, which then gave me the capacity to hold the magnitude of that creative force that was going to come through. And it did. (laughs) And for any of you who are in the workshop, you know what I'm talking about. Like that was fun. We had a good time in that workshop. And if you missed it, and you're like, I want to get on on the good time. Well, you can, because the replay is still available until the end of March for free. After, after March, it will be a paid workshop and you can get the paid replay. But for the month of March, you can get it for free. And I've decided to, to do uh, a free workshop either once a month or once every two months, whatever the flow feels like when there's something really potent and important to zone in on. And I really loved communing with all of you. There was over 230 of you that signed up to be there on the live workshop, which was so fun. And then, you know, of course, people couldn't make the live, but they came to the replay, which is incredible to have that many people who are staking a claim of like, I am the conscious creator of my life. And I am here to generate magic. And I am here to do extraordinarily important things. I know that I have an important piece to play in the weaving of the tapestry of this thing called human life. And to see all of these people show up for themselves, for each other, for the world, from this anchored place of, we're going to vision for love. Like we have this core element that's uniting us, that we, we care about love. We care about relationships. We care about creating a world where there is more love and more healthy relationships. Because right now, sometimes when you're on the internet, it seems like one big dumpster fire. And the thing is, that's not actually true. But when we spend too much time in these containers of social media, where people can hide behind a keyboard and spew, you know, their emotional dysregulation onto each other. Uh, It can quickly snowball into this idea that, oh God, the world is a mess. And like, don't get me wrong, there's shit that needs fixing. (laughs) Like there are some issues that we need to, you know, put our, our love and our energy and attention into. And my perspective has always been the most effective transformation is going to come from a place of love. When we look in a relational container, let's say your partner's doing something that you're just not digging and you're like, Oh, this is, this is not good for us. When you bring that forward, if you yell and scream and berate your partner, and you tell them that they're a worthless piece of garbage and a piece of shit and that they should just listen to you because you're better. Um, there, there aren't very many people who are going to listen to that or take kindly to that. They're not going to take you seriously. And yet that's what's happening on the internet most days. You know, people who don't know each other are screaming at each other, making massive assumptions about each other. And it's really eroding our capacity to relate powerfully. It's eroding our capacity to be with difference, to be with someone who thinks differently than you. And in order to actually transform some of these major issues, we've got to be able to listen to each other. We've got to be able to hear each other. We've got to be able to, you know, see the truth in what someone's saying. 
even if it's not what we agree, if we see things differently. But yelling and screaming at each other, calling each other names, attacking character, like this shit is not workable. And what it illustrates is how little capacity people actually have for the emotional you know, intensity that's going on within them. So when we can't regulate our system, we've got to find an avenue. I think of it like a pressure cooker. So if we aren't emotionally healthy and we have this buildup of all these feelings and we don't know what to do with them and it becomes like a pressure cooker and eventually we got to let off some steam or we're going to blow. And so you see people letting off steam all over the internet and just wanting to pick fights and attack each other. And like, that's not what it's about at all. That's not why we're here. And if we truly are actually committed to creating a world that feels safe for everybody to be in, we have to learn how to create safety within our own body. We have to learn how to communicate in ways that don't require compliance, but instead can really, really open the doorway for diverse thought, for diverse experience, because no two people are the same. No two people's experiences will be the same. And so if we aren't able to regulate ourselves, if we're not able to, you know, identify like, what is going on for me? Why do I feel so triggered? I was listening to an excellent IG live, um, which is also in podcast form with this incredible woman. Her name is Africa Brooks, Africa Brooke. Um, And her podcast is called Unfiltered with Africa. And it's the most recent episode she did about, okay, so you're offended. Now what? And it was such a potent conversation about what's what's kind of happening out in the world of social media right now. Um, and it, it's, it's intense. It's real intense. And we've forgotten. Sometimes we forget our humanity. We forget our hearts. Like when we are cut off from the neck down, we forget we have a body. We forget we have a heart. We forget that we are also an emotional being that needs tender, loving care, just like the other person on the other side of the screen is a human being, a living, breathing human being most of the time, unless you're dealing with a bot. But for the most part, you're dealing with real life humans with real life feelings, real love, real love, real life problems. And they're valid. And yet it's become a screaming match of who can accumulate more pain. And if we want to see a world where there is more pleasure, where there is more joy, we can't deny the reality of our pain, but we also can't get stuck there. And if we, if we're not witnessed properly, this is the thing about healing that I've come to learn. If you've gone through something really traumatic, really painful, um, it's important that you're witnessed in that. It's important that in those moments where you actually were victimized, that there's someone who can sit across from you 
or be on the phone with you or just be in a conversation with you where they can reflect back like, yeah, that was not okay. That was really not okay. And be there with you without needing to change the experience, but honestly witnessing the full gravity of what you endured and what you went through. And when we have that witnessing, and sometimes we need to, you know, tell our story a few times to work our way around it and make sense of it, integrate it, digest it, and have that be witnessed. But then there comes a point where if we keep talking about our, our pain and our wounding and our trauma and all of this over and over and over, that's all our lives are going to be. We can't actually create or vision something better if that's all we're focused on. And that's why it was so incredible to see all of these people show up for this workshop because what, you know, we're saying on a, on a bigger level is, okay, I am devoted and committed to a vision of love. I'm devoted and committed to a vision for my relationships. That's beyond what I've ever experienced before. I want to relate to myself and the people in my life as capable of creating and generating a life that feels good to be in. And that doesn't mean a life that denies your history, that denies your pain, that de like denies your experiences that make being human difficult. It's not that. It's we acknowledge that that is there. And then we take that and we're like, okay, where do we go next from here? What's the solution? Where do we, how do we create a more inclusive or more loving or just a more honoring space within the relationship or within our life or within our community? And when we can vision for what's possible, we start to notice our capacity is expanding and we're able to hold more nuance. So the more that we, you know, connect in with the body, track what's going in the body, allow our, our pain to be witnessed, allow it to move through, you know, when we aren't, when we're not witnessed, then we have to scream louder. When our pain hasn't been honored, we have to scream louder because it's part of the healing process to be witnessed. And sometimes, well, this is part of the process. You have to witness it yourself. And you it can't just be a, a solo mission. Like we've got to be able to witness and connect in like that actually was hard. That was really painful. That was not okay. What happened there? And then have another person reflect that back. I remember after I went through a really traumatic relationship where there was a lot of emotional abuse and a lot of infidelity. Um, I just kind of taking the perspective of like, okay, I, I got to deal with it. Kind of the stiff upper lip. Um, you know, this is just how it is and I got to move through it. And in private, I would definitely process and feel my feelings and be in that. And it was the first time that I started to really challenge that perspective of like, do I really need to pretend like everything's okay? Cause it's not. And that feels really inauthentic, but I also don't want to dump on people. And a lot of like the first stages of that had to come from me of Kelsey, it's okay. It's okay. You're feeling this way because you just went through something that was really fucked up, really fucked up and not okay. 
And by giving myself that permission slip to be not okay, then eventually like I felt safe enough to open that doorway to be witnessed by others. And one of my best friends, she played such a a crucial role in the healing through that relationship ending because she was the first one to acknowledge how fucked up of a situation it actually was. She was like, you know that that was an abusive relationship, right? You know that that's emotional abuse, right? And on some level I did know, but then on other levels of like wanting to, you know, protect my image, protect him, his image, like I, I didn't want to admit that fully. And it wasn't until I admitted it fully, like what it actually was. And of course that doesn't paint the whole relationship with that brush, but there were major strokes of that relationship that were really not okay. And by having her witness that, and we had to have a couple conversations where I just was a mess and a blubbering, crying, sobbing mess and having my pain acknowledged and witnessed and held with reverence was so essential. And that's what I see is really missing right now. Like there are a lot of people who are hurting, who are asking for their pain to be witnessed to be held with reverence. But if we don't have the emotional skills to regulate ourselves and to hold a different experience um, than one we might have to ourselves, like we, we get into some slippery territory where we might be invalidating someone's experience or we might be cranking up uh, the, the drama or cranking up the pain in order to have it be acknowledged. And so something that we can really do on an individual level is look at our own capacity. So going back to at the very beginning, like what, what do I actually have capacity for today? And can I be in a space of honor and reverence for my actual bandwidth. And maybe that means having some boundaries around social media. Maybe it means having boundaries around your bedtime. Maybe it means having boundaries around, you know, the types of food that you really need to ensure that you have in, in your system on a regular basis. Like there are ways in which we can start to really honor our physical field, our emotional field, our mental field, our spiritual field, because that's no one's responsibility, but yours. Like I am my own responsibility in terms of managing my, my energy and ensuring that I get what I need, especially on a physical level. So can I get the amount of sleep that I need, the fuel that I need, the hydration that I need and the movement that I need? No one else can control that but me. And if any of those four are out, there's a high likelihood that we are going to get into some inflamed territory. You know, and I was talking about this on a group coaching call today of sometimes, you know, the feelings that we're experiencing or you know, the anxiety that's in our body is sometimes a cue that there's something missing that we need on a 
biochemical level. So we might need a certain nutrient in our body that we're not getting. Or maybe there's something that we're getting too much of that we, our body's like, scale that back. Or we need to be hydrated a little bit better. Or maybe we need to sleep a little bit more. Because when we have proper sleep, when we have proper nourishment, when we have water and hydration and movement, it naturally expands our emotional capacity. So it gives us a little bit more space to be with nuance, to be with difference. And like, if we really want to get into, you know, being with other people, especially people who might have a different perspective or a different life experience, we've got to be able to hold nuance. Things aren't black and white. Things aren't cut and dry. They are in the gray. They're in the in-between. That's where life happens, in the in-between. And when we are in this very polarized, binary, black and white thinking, like it's this way or this way, or it's all or nothing, like all things are this way and nothing is this way. Like um, We know that's usually a sign that there is very little capacity in our system, which means... <laughs> we don't have capacity in our system, it's pretty hard to explore pleasure. It's pretty hard to explore joy when our system is off the rails. And so we really want to come back to our body. And I'm, I'm really excited for this teacher training and down the line to be leading more movement classes with all of you and, and bringing that into the work that I do. Because it's been such a game changer just in the last couple of weeks of noticing, you know, as I do this movement practice on a daily basis and I really listen to my body and what it needs, what type of movement it needs, you know, how it wants to release, all of a sudden I have more capacity to be with the nuance of life. I have more capacity to be with opinions that differ from mine. I have taken on recently, you know, following people who have very different opinions from me and like watching to see, like, can I see the truth, the thread of truth and what they might be saying, or what can I learn here by diversifying my, my field, by diversifying the scope of voices that I'm listening to. And if you're surrounded by people who think exactly like you do, like that might, you know, work for a period of time. And it's kind of like this energy of like, okay, I'm, I'm keeping all of the people who disagree with me at bay. Like I'm holding out a lot of energy. There's a lot of energy that goes into kind of keeping that all at bay and not allowing it close. And, you know, once we've built up a little bit more space in the system to be with our own emotional complexity, to be with our own needs and address our core needs, you know, with, with so much reverence, with so much love and devotion, then we can now move into these next layers of, well, can I be in a conversation with someone who thinks differently with me? And, you know, the telltale sign of someone who is really emotionally healthy 
is that they can be in a conversation with someone who thinks differently from them without going into name calling, without going into character assassination, without going into sarcasm. Anytime that we are using sarcasm, if we are insulting people, if we're cutting them down, if we are trying to attack their character because they have a different opinion than us, that's a sign that we can't be with difference. It's a sign that we are emotionally dysregulated and probably a little emotionally unhealthy in that moment. Because when we are in our emotional health, we can be with different voices because we know who we are. We know what we stand for. And there's an openness to, to listen, to hear someone else's perspective that might be different than your own. And through those dialogues, that's where we start to find common ground. But you will never find common ground if we start slinging insults, if we start attacking people um, like, and making gross assumptions about who they are when you know nothing about them, really. And we, <laughs> you know, this is kind of where we're at in our society right now. And we're seeing like just how much room there is for an improvement in the emotional health sector. There's a lot of talk about mental health, but we need equal amount of talking about emotional health because it's the emotional system that gets hijacked and <laughs> that kind of spins us out of control. And we need to learn how to be with our emotions. We need to learn how to move our emotions through our system so that they don't get stuck in the body. And so that we can actually be with someone who potentially could remind us of somewhere that we've been before and not feel like it's a major, major, major threat. And so when, when we haven't, you know, met our emotional interior world, we don't know how to dance with it masterfully. Well, then we have to keep anything and everyone who could potentially trip it up at bay. And we've learned over time that one of the best ways to shut someone down is to attack them, is to call them names, is to make sweeping generalizations about who they are that really don't align with who they probably actually are. And when we move out of these more toxic ways of relating, we now have space to be with each other. We have space to create more understanding. And this happens in relationships too, where you have, you'll usually have two people who end up in a relationship who have some common ground, of course, but who also think differently. They have different life experiences. And what happens when we're in our adaptive child or we're hijacked emotionally is that we need the other person to be the same as us in order to feel safe. And it's, it's really a false sense of safety because like the more integrated safety is when we have the capacity to speak our truth and speak it with respect and consideration and also hold space for nuance and a difference of opinion and find the nuggets of truth on both sides. And this was something that I learned from John Wellwood. And he talks about it. Oh, I wish I could remember which book it is. Um, 
I'll, I'll try and find it and put it in the show notes. But um, he talks about in conflict with people, there's always a degree of distortion and there's a degree of truth. And that's happening on both sides of an argument. So both people who are arguing with each other, there's a degree of truth that they're touching on and there's distortion. And when we don't know how to be with our emotional interior, we can't admit that there could be distortion. We have to be all righteous and we like, no, I'm right and you're wrong. And we're always looking for this win-lose scenario. But when we're stuck in that win-lose scenario, no one wins, nobody because we like we might win quote unquote the battle on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or wherever we are. But in terms of actually feeling safe and regulated and open, we we don't we don't feel that. Because we know on some level the way that we got to our victory was through a bit of an abusive, emotionally abusive tactic. Because that's what emotional manipulation and emotional abuse does. Like it will distort and then it will attack and it has no space for challenge. There's no space for discourse. There's no space for discussion of any kind, unless you're in full compliance and full agreeance. And that's, that's not a relationship. That's a dictatorship. That is not co-creation. It's, you know, it's very codependent is what it is. Um, and it's really problematic because we lose the juiciness of knowing someone and under like getting to know, like, why, why do you have that worldview? What has your experience been that that is your worldview? And if we could have those conversations, we might learn a thing or two. And we also might expand our perspective because a lot of the times our, our perspective is based on our past experiences not necessarily of what is possible in the future, but it's based on our past experiences. So if we really want to step into this space of visioning for love and utilizing our magic and, you know, leading with our heart and leading with truth, we have to understand like what parts of our past are still causing interference that would, you know, cause us to distort uh, an experience in the present moment and then what elements are truth and how do we you know advocate for that and advocate for the truth and these are really important and complex things that take time to flesh out and take time to experience but every time that we are triggered we do have the chance to rewrite our history but if we keep reacting the same way we historically have, we're just you know, grooving that pattern in deeper. And every time that we come up against a trigger and we respond differently, we're paving a new path. We're paving the foundation for a future that you know is congruent with the vision that we have for ourselves in our life. And this is why I think it's such an important thing to sit down on a regular basis and really flush out what do you want for yourself in your life and how could you design your days to you know, really support that vision coming to life? How could every conversation that you have throughout your day be in support of the vision you're creating? Now, it's hard to really 
navigate our, our behavior and be responsible for ourselves in, in that, that way, when we don't know what we desire and we don't know where we want to go and what we want to do. So that's often the first place to start is spending some time visioning out what do I want for myself in my life? What would feel really good? What skills do I want to develop? And where, you know, am I kind of wobbly right now? Or where can I really improve or grow? And how would that be in support of the life that I want to create? Because if I keep you know, s- staying in this pattern of being reactive and shutting down and, you know, turning away from people who see things differently than me or a partner who has a difference of opinion or <laughs> anything like this can be in our families, this can be in our relationships, friendship, coworkers, the world at large. And if we are able to be with the complexity of our own experience, like, okay, what, you know, what am I really strong at? And what do I need some improvement with? Because we all have areas to improve. We have all have areas where we can be a little bit more attuned, where we can be a little bit more regulated, where we can be a little bit more respectful and loving and tolerant and kind. And if we're not willing to look at the ways in which we're difficult, the ways in which, you know, we might not make the mark, you know, hundred percent of the time. And we also take a look at what makes us inherently good and worthy and like where our, our strong suits are and where we are really strong, where we do have gifts, where we do have talents. This can be a game changer because we're not just focusing on like, oh, everything you need to improve and everything that's wrong with you, because that's part of why we're in the mess that we're in, of constantly focusing on what's wrong and what's not working, but from a self-shaming place. And what I'm suggesting is we look at that material, not from a shaming place, but more from an inquisitive, curious, like I'm a good little scientist in my life. Like I'm just collecting some data. Like these are the things that have been tripping me up lately. And what, what can I discover about myself? Like what, what's at the core of that? Where's that rooted for me? How does that remind me of somewhere that I've been before? And ultimately, what is my need that isn't getting met? And then once you know what the need is, then you can start building your life in a way that ensures that that need gets met. And that need will never get met by screaming at people to meet your need. Never. You might get temporary compliance, but over time that won't, that won't be sustainable. And so we want to find ways to communicate our needs to other people that actually invites them forward and relates to them as someone who is capable, relates to them who like as someone who is inherently good and kind and trustworthy and you know, the more we have that anchoring in the body and we also do these honest explorations about ourselves, the more our radar is going to be finely tuned so that you can actually discern whether or not someone is safe or not. And when someone isn't safe, then you have the confidence in your boundaries to protect your peace. 
because there's a lot of emotional manipulation. There's a lot of emotional abuse. There's a lot of bullying that's happening right now and it's not okay. It's really not okay. And you are allowed to protect your peace. And the more you know who you are, what you stand for, and the vision that you hold for yourself in your life, the easier it is to put up those boundaries when they need to be there. The easier it is to not get hooked into the emotional fuckery that's happening all over the internet right now. And it's, it's easier to stay in your lane to reflect back, you know, this came up in a coaching call today of like, okay, I see that you have a need to make me out to be the villain or to be wrong, or you are unhappy and disappointed with who I am. And it's not okay for you to talk to me that way. And if that continues, I will have to remove myself out of this conversation. And so even just having that boundary and knowing that you can say that, and that's not shutting down the conversation. It's calling up the conversation to a better level of quality, a better level of emotional intelligence, a better level of emotional health. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, you know, just misunderstanding about that in, in the general population right now. Of Like, if I challenge you, that means <laughs> like I'm denying your reality, which isn't true. And we make meaning to suit our, you know, viewpoint of the world. And if we are constantly looking for things to be offended by, we will always find something. If you want to find evidence of ways in which your life is against you, you will always find it. Just like if you look for evidence that the, that life is, you know, conspiring in your favor or that people are innately good and they're complex, but they're, they're innately good. And that you're innately good. You will find that evidence too. And part of visioning for love is being very, very disciplined in what we are focus, focus, focusing our attention on. Like what evidence are we collecting? Are we collecting evidence through our lived experiences and the ways that we are interpreting our lived experiences? Are we doing so in a way that empowers the vision that we hold for ourselves in our life? If we are not, there is some cleanup on aisle five to do. And that is totally within your parameter to do. No one else can, you know, interpret the meaning of the experiences that you have lived, but you. No one else has that autonomy over you. You have the capacity to choose the meaning that the experiences that you have have to you. Just like I have the capacity and the autonomy to choose meaning that actually supports the person that I'm becoming, that of course grounds it in reality of like, yeah, sometimes I'm an asshole. Sometimes I don't get it right. Sometimes I have been hurtful or ignorant. Like there's an, that's, that's human. Like it's going to happen. And because I have acknowledged those parts of myself, if that's at play, I'm willing to acknowledge it, but I'm also not willing to take on an identity that someone else needs to put on me in order to avoid looking at themselves and looking at the ways in which they might be being emotionally abusive or harmful. Like I'm not taking that on and you don't have to take it on either. 
And when we come from this place of, I, I deeply know who I am and I have high regard and like honest regard for who I am. And I am willing to acknowledge my shortcomings in the areas that I have room to grow. And I'm actively working on spiffing up those areas and improving those areas. Then you're unshakable. Like someone can't come in and disrupt your, your peace. If you don't (laughs) on some level agree with what they're saying. And when we know who we are and we know what's really, really true, someone could come in and say the most obscene things about you and you're like, I guess we see this differently. I, I understand that you have a need to, to have that be true. And we see this differently. Like I know who I am and I'm not going to be kicked off my center because you have a need to make me out to to fit this this role or be a villain or whatever it is and so the more that we anchor into who we truly are what we really stand for and you know are honest about our capacity and we start to work with our capacity by being in the body and being with our emotions like becoming more emotionally healthy like we want to live a pleasure-filled life we have to be pros we have to be masterful with our emotions we can't keep emotionally repressing and expect to live a pleasure-filled life we have to have a really healthy relationship with our emotions and we have to allow them space to coexist with us allow them space to inform what it is that we still need to look at or where we still have growth or what needs might be you know untapped and you know, we need more attention there. And there's, there's so much room inside of that to really play with our relational dynamics. When we are coming from a much more emotionally healthy place, we now get to step into co-creation, not only with the universe, but with each other. And when we are anchored in who we are, what we stand for, we've met our shadow. We, you know, are honest about what makes us difficult and we're honest about what makes us brilliant. And we have a strong vision, a very clear vision of what we want for ourselves in our life. It's so much easier to navigate these waters because right now we're in some choppy fucking water and we want to know that we have our own anchor. And that anchor is not only the vision that you have for yourself in your life, but accepting the fullness of your humanity so that there isn't anything that someone could say that would really knock you off your center for too long. Like you're still human. You're going to get knocked off center. I get knocked off center and we get dysregulated, but it's how quickly we can come back to ourselves. How quickly can we connect into the body of like, okay, I'm here with you. What's going on? Where am I feeling sensation? How does it want to move? And then what's going on for me emotionally? Do I have to put some boundaries in place? Are my needs accounted for? Like, do I need some, do I need to take a nap? (laughs) Like, is my fuse a little short because I need a nap? (laughs) Like, sometimes that's just the case. And from there, we can then connect into our vision. Okay, like, what do I have capacity for today? And in what ways can I be in devotional service to the vision that I hold for myself in my life. 
So I I can't stress this enough, (laughs) how important it is. And, you know, we'll be doing some more fleshing out of, you know, emotional health and, you know, getting to the core of who you are and maybe some shadow work in the future. And, you know, for now, if you want some support with the visioning process, um, that replay is still available and it's in the show notes. You can easily go get it. It's one click, enter your email and then boom, you, you got it in your, your membership site there. And, you know, I think it's such a beautiful conversation to be a part of, even though it's the replay. It's a full on workshop. It's a two hour workshop for free. And, you know, if you would like some additional support, there's still a few one to one spots that I've got available. And we also have, you know, space in the pleasure mapping course. And the pleasure mapping course is something that's really helpful to flush out our vision because, it's much easier to receive that vision for what is possible for ourselves in our lives when we're feeling really good. And when we're building up a reserve of soulful pleasure, not just pleasure reserved for the sexual domain, but pleasure as a lifestyle, as a way of living, as a way of moving through life, as a way of relating. So we can start to explore our emotions from a much more pleasurable place. So if that is something that is of interest to you, the link to join that program, it's a self-study program. I do monthly office hours, which is just a live call where anyone in the program can hop into that call and ask their questions. We jam for about an hour, hour and a half, depending on how many people show up. And it's a great opportunity to not only have a monthly touch point for some support, but also be in this conversation with other people who are also visioning for their life, for their self and their life. And they are visioning from this place of love. They're visioning from this place of possibility. They're visioning from this place of, you know, open hearted capacity with some badass boundaries. They, they're, they're awesome humans in there. And so if that is something that you feel is calling to you, you're like, yeah, I want a vision for myself and my life. And I want that pleasure support. Then come, come join the class, come join the workshop, you know, both of them. And here's a little sidebar for anyone who joins the visioning for love free workshop. There's a hundred dollar discount code that you get as a member of that workshop for the pleasure mapping course. So it's kind of a no brainer, (laughs) like not that the course is expensive. It's only $300 to begin with, but there is a hundred dollar code that you can use if you are in the visioning for love workshop replay. So both of those links are in the show notes and they are available to you. If that feels like something that you are really wanting to explore and if this conversation had some nuggets in there that really were helpful for you, feel free to share with me on social media, share on your Instagram, and I'd love to reshare you or share the episode. That's wildly helpful. And if you're on iTunes and you want to leave a review, that's also very helpful so that it gets the podcast out into more ears that really need to hear it or really would benefit from hearing it. 
And I just, I'm so in awe of every single one of you in this community who listens to this podcast, who takes radical self-responsibility for yourself and your life. Like I bow to you. I am in awe of you. And I am so honored to be walking this path alongside with you. So thank you for spending this hour with me today. I know it's no small thing. And if you know, working together on a one-to-one basis feels like your jam or being in the course or the workshop feels like the next step that is always available. And I'm so excited to meet you and connect with you and hear your big takeaways from (laughs) this conversation that went in many different directions, but many necessary directions. And I look forward to being back with you next week for the next episode. And also, just one more announcement, Uh, most Fridays on Clubhouse, my coven, so my sisterhood, we hop on there to do cocktails with the coven. So we grab our favorite drink, whether it's a cocktail or a mocktail or some water or some tea, and we, we talk. So our entire coven, which is full of some pretty badass babes. Um, are on a panel. And this is an opportunity to come and listen to all of their wisdom and ask questions and have access to the sisterhood that we've created so that it hopefully inspires and turns on pleasure for you and the, you know, all of the energies of possibility so that that can also be typed into your vision for love or, you know, input into your vision for love. So if you'd like to come join us on Clubhouse, if you're on Clubhouse, we you can find us there tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Why did I say tomorrow? 5 p.m. on Fridays, Pacific Standard Time. And if you follow me, um, Kelsey Grant, on Clubhouse, uh, you will get a notification every time I open a room, every time we do a conversation. So you'll have that know, available to you as well as an additional touch point. And, you know, if, if that's not your jam, that's cool. We'll meet here next week and we'll have another epic conversation. And I look forward to connecting with you all very soon. I hope you have a beautiful day or evening wherever you are in the world. And I, I just know that you are loved and you are cherished and we're in this together and we're going to get through. We're going to get through it. (laughs) And I, I love you all so much. And I will talk to you soon. Bye, friends.